Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good morning to you as we welcome you along to Tuesday's edition of the programme. Bernie is sitting in for John Paul for the rest of the week. He's uh, taken a few days off. So she takes your calls at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us. You can text her WhatsApp though to 86 103 103. And seeing as I've said welcome to Tuesday's edition of the programme, just can I mention the Tuesday when I was on with Simon earlier I happened to say when I was talking about potatoes I happened to say here we are talking about potatoes on Pancake Tuesday quick as a flash one of our listeners Tim sends in a WhatsApp saying Patricia you just said Pancake Tuesday full stop it's not full stop it's Shrove Tuesday full stop says Tim putting me back in my box you haven't a lot to be worried about now Tim on a, a Tuesday morning and I, it, absolutely it is a show of Tuesday but it also for a whole host of other people it's also Pancake Tuesday. I mean, it's Shrove Tuesday if you are a member of a Christian church. But what if you're not a member of a Christian church and what if you're not following any church? A lot of people refer to it and even Christians will refer to today as Pancake Tuesday. I don't think we have to be that pedantic that we have to always say it's Shrove Tuesday rather than saying it's uh, Pancake Tuesday. But thank you for your text and it's good to know that we have you along on Shrove Tuesday. WhatsApping us at 0862103103. And actually talking of texts, there's a text uh, in on the coronavirus from Anne saying, Patricia, with the coronavirus surging now in Europe. St. Patrick's Day parades must be in doubt as huge gathering of people from home and abroad will increase the risk of infection. And so many people now are starting to get so worried about the coronavirus and the outbreak, according to a lot of reports, is threatening to wreck, econ- to wreck economic havoc, particularly on the travel industry and the tourist industry, which would tie very much in with what Anne is uh, talking about. It could also, of course, force the cancellation of major sporting and cultural events in uh, Ireland. The coronavirus surge in northern Italy, it's now led to seven deaths. It's increased the risk of a case here in Ireland. And um, I saw somebody contacted us yesterday who was worried because there are a number of Italian students who live in this country and are studying in this country. And many of them went home last week for midterm and they were due back home 
at the weekend and people worried about you know, if they live in an area that's close or if they're anywhere in northern Italy, anywhere near where there has big outbreaks of coronavirus, you know, because we know it can incubate for two weeks. People are fearful. Is that one of the ways that it could come into this um, country? And of course, the Six Nations rugby match against Italy, that's on March the 7th. So not this weekend, the following weekend. That's in uh, Dublin. And if that was cancelled there would be multi-million euro loss in spending in the capital from a tourism point of view. And it seems that the expert group within the Department of Health, which is overseeing the virus threat, are going to meet today to decide if that Six Nations match should go ahead or not. Because if it does go ahead, it's going to bring a huge contingent of Italian fans and they're questioning now should it be cancelled uh, or not. Now airlines have yet by the way to suspend any Italian flights. The new outbreaks has raised the spectre of serious upheaval extending into the lucrative summer tourism season. European airline uh, stocks experienced their biggest slump yesterday um, and people already have started. People are getting nervous about it and people have already started to hurt people yesterday have cancelled flights nowhere near anything to do with the coronavirus but people are just nervous not knowing what's going to happen in the summer if it continues uh, to spread I mean inevitably will we get a case of the coronavirus in this country we haven't as of uh, yet but we'll wait and see what happens with that expert group meeting this morning to see should the Six Nations match against Italy should it actually be cancelled and actually I was reading also on the papers uh, today this is the economic effect I mean obviously the most serious one is nobody wants to get coronavirus and uh, the number of deaths is is quite frightening and and scary and I think even the very mention of coronavirus is putting the fear of God in so many people Uh, but stuff that you wouldn't think about pennies have come out and saying that they could potentially have difficulty sourcing clothes from their Chinese factories later in the year they're okay at the moment but they're fearful because a number of the Chinese factories have closed down since the Chinese New Year a couple of weeks ago when there was a mass movement of Chinese people and this was when the coronavirus was really starting to spread across China. So the decision was taken then to put a lot of cities uh, into lockdown and to close a lot lot of factories and say, look, we're not going to reopen after the Chinese New Year until they they try to get more of a handle on stopping the spread of the coronavirus. And because of that, there has been many, many weeks of production lost in these Chinese factories that even when they reopen, they'll be hard pushed to catch up on because a lot of those Chinese factories actually operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week as it is. So it isn't a case of, oh, we'll just extend the opening hours. So pennies are now predicting that they could be rehit. that when the Chinese factories reopen, there will be a delay in a number of their closing lines and they source the majority of their closing lines from uh, Asia. So something you wouldn't have thought about. But the phrase, God, that's a lovely top. Pennies, girl. We might be hearing that so much towards the end of uh, this year. Now, coming up on the programme this morning, I mentioned the humble spud, the potato. We're going to be talking about potatoes on the programme uh, today because there is to be yet another campaign because I remember there certainly was a campaign because we did it. We certainly did some interviews on it a few years ago, trying to make the, trying to get people to look at potatoes, I suppose, in a different light. Now, to me, this is very much a generational thing. There will be people 
older generation, people listening to this programme today who will tell you that they have potatoes every single day of the week and that your dinner wouldn't be your dinner unless there was some kind of spuds on the plate. But there's the younger generation and particularly the millennials over a number of years, they've sort of turned their back on the potato. It's not seen as the most sexiest of veg. I think for young women and maybe young men as well, they're seen as fattening carbs, got to keep away from those and people that moved away to different carbs instead and you know people got into the world of pastas and rice dishes and noodles and then they just don't eat as many potatoes anymore so there's a big campaign on to push firstly how good potatoes are for us and how important they are to the to the farming uh, industry as well. Uh, so we're going to talk about this campaign and what's different to this campaign to the one that we spoke about the last time is this seems to be an EU-wide campaign. So it's not just we here in Ireland who are turning our backs, the younger, the millennials, who are turning their backs on the potatoes. It seems to be happening right across uh, Europe. So we're going to talk about that on the programme today. We'll hear a plea to a US judge to try to stop a salvage company from disturbing the wreck of the Titanic. Now, there has been many dives done on the Titanic and there has been many salvage companies gone in there. And we know there's been a lot of artefacts saved over the years. And, you know, I think if you've been to the Titanic exhibition in Belfast, you'll see some of the artefacts that came from uh, the wreck. I've certainly been at a kind of a small little Titanic exhibition in Orlando where they have artefacts from the Titanic and they're replicated in various other museums around the world so it is there there has been a number of items taken from the wreck but at this stage should we just let the wreck lie in peace I mean one, one has to think of the number of souls number of lives that went down with the Titanic that night um 1500 whose bodies were never returned. So you look at this wreck and to me, whenever I think about the wreck of the Titanic now, I think of it as a very large graveyard of those people and there just seems to be something wrong with the idea of going in there and digging, you know, amongst what's left of it for whatever can be found. As far as I know, this the salvage company that now wants to go down and do another trawl of what's left on the Titanic. I think it's the Marconi wirelesses that they're trying to get out. Now, I don't know if they're of historical value or anything can be learned by taking them up. I don't know the reason or is it just purely the monetary value? I'm assuming if it's a salvage company, everything they do is to do with the monetary value and what money can be made out of it. But there just seems something ghoulish almost, isn't there, about making money out of digging an area that is basically a very, very large graveyard. I mean, certainly my gut instinct is let them, let their, let their, their souls at peace, leave, leave, you know, just, just leave it, just, you know, just leave it be. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, your thoughts welcomed on it, but we'll hear what's going on states side. And we're hearing from an international maritime expert who is a native of uh, West Cork, who has also taken umbrage to the fact of anybody going down and, and digging on the, the wreck of the Titanic to salvage anything. And he's gone so far as to write to a judge in the States to try to say, to try to get them to come on board. So we'll find out more about that. Now, there's a cancer awareness evening that's going to be held in Bandon on Thursday. So we're previewing it today on the programme just to try to get the message out to people that this is happening, to try to get people to go along. And this is really all about being body aware and knowing your body and the reason we should be body aware and the 
reason that we should know our body. So if there's any kind of changes, when suddenly you feel a lump, you think, hmm, that wasn't there the last time I checked. They're, you know, they're the kind of things you need to be suspicious of. And we'll speak with uh, one of the ladies involved in organising the event and she'll share her own uh, cancer story with us on the programme. And it is Tuesday, so that means Joe Heflin joins us on the programme. And uh, Joe today is continuing to discuss suicide bereavement. We started on this last week on the programme and didn't get to fully complete it. So we'll talk about that on the programme uh, today and very aware and conscious of people who lost a loved one because of suicide. And they have to deal with the dreadful loss of whoever the loved one was, a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a much-loved niece, nephew, a child, whatever, and they deal with the grief of that person being gone. But then I think there's just, it seems to be an added layer of grief when they lost that loved one due to suicide and there's all those questions. Could I have done something? Should I have done something? Should I have seen something? Why wasn't I able to save the person? And the, the mental trauma that somebody dealing with suicide bereavement goes through just must be uh, awful our heart goes out to anyone in that situation so we will be aiming our chat with Joe on the programme uh, today specifically at those uh, people and on a much more lively note Billy Joel tickets up for grabs on the programme today and a lot more than just tickets to go see uh, Billy Joel. We have a fantastic package put together. It is return flights and three nights in New York. You do get the VIP tickets to go along and see Billy Billy Joel live. He's playing in Madison Square Garden. The night of the concert is the 2nd of May, which I'm assuming is a Saturday. Is it? Somebody check a calendar there. Saturday the 2nd of May. So it's that weekend you'll be in the in New York to go to the concert. We're also going to send you out for a three-course dinner and drinks at a New York uh, restaurant. And when you're in New York, there is so much to see and do. But one of the must-dos, I think, when you go to New York is to go to the top of the Empire State Building. Bring your camera with you because the views are fantastic. And we've got a skip-the-line admission. So you don't have to stand around and wait for everybody wait with everybody else. You'll go straight to the top of the queue and go up and to the top of the Empire State Building. By now, you must know what's going on. All of the programmes right throughout the day, we will play a Billy, whenever we play a Billy Joel song, you need to text or WhatsApp us 086 103. and then you need to stay by your phone and you need to be able to take a call, join me on air, answer what are fairly simple questions and even if they're not too simple, you've got a 50-50 chance of getting it right because we give you an A or a B answer. So we give you a choice of uh, two answers. So you have a 50-50 chance, but they're easy enough that you should know nearly all are the answers to all of the uh, questions. And once you do that, you then become uh, the qualifier. And we're getting so many qualifiers every day and then you get you, you get entered into our grand final. So when you text or WhatsApp app us, please make sure that that phone number that you're texting or WhatsApping us from remains switched on and that you are available to take a call because John Paul told me yesterday with our qualifier yesterday that wasn't the first qualifier. He had randomly selected three people who had entered the first two people that he called back weren't available, didn't take our calls. So it was the third, was the, the lucky caller who managed to join me on air, answer the question and then became yesterday's uh, qualifier. So Billy Joel in the Big Apple with amigoloans.ie on Cork's Greatest Hits C103.
Your listener saying hi. After getting this text a couple of times, is it some kind of a scam? And it says, "Dear customer, your three six five online account has been locked. Please log on." And then you click on, it's a www.365onlinenotification.com to follow the unlocked uh, procedure. Yes, absolutely, it is a scam when you get when you ever get a text like that and you are unsure whether it comes from your bank or not, never click on the link that they are suggesting. Just get onto your bank. But yeah, I mean, to me, absolutely, it is a scam. But check with your bank, particularly if you have coincidentally been locked out for whatever reason you put in your, your password wrong three times and they've locked you out you could just be unlucky thinking oh, this is the bank trying to contact me just always contact your bank never click directly on any of those uh, links I can see a number of people really worried about coronavirus and what would happen if coronavirus came to this country I know one of the I think it's one of the accident and emergency doctors is on the paper today saying that the hospitals just simply wouldn't be able to cope if we had an outbreak of uh, coronavirus. And of course, the big thing was if there was any kind of an outbreak of coronavirus, it's to try to contain it. One listener says, as a bus driver, we are willing to keep driving and working, but the necessary goggles, masks and uh, gloves is not even being considered. So the drivers would catch the virus and then if a driver caught a virus and was picking up passengers, they would be the ones transferring it on to everybody else. It's a 24-day incubation period. The bus service would certainly not be able to uh, cope if there was an epidemic of coronavirus in this country, God knows nobody would wish for that. Someone else says the HSE is not responding except with PR statements and the National Emergency Group should take oversight and should take control of the situation. Airport surveillance of Chinese inbound passengers is banned. I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. Uh, so no warning of illnesses and uh, self-isolation. I've heard of Chinese people who came back who happened to be over in China maybe they were over there for the Chinese New Year and when they've come back to this country they have self-isolated even though they've had absolutely no symptoms but we know we can take two weeks for symptoms to begin and I've heard of Chinese people who I thought it was really really good of them to do that they've just kept away from everybody self-isolated themselves kept away from other family members even for the two weeks just to be sure to be sure um, and uh, you know I thought that was very responsible of them and then somebody else says Patricia hindsight is immeasurable when Ireland went on shutdown do you remember due to the foot and mouth disease in 2014 panic almost set in at the start but the appreciation of the action by the government in the aftermath was also immeasurable yeah and we came literally to a standstill and I, that was around this time of year as well wasn't it because I remember it affected the drama festivals because all of the touring groups used to travel around the country they were all affected by it and I'm open to question but I do think that if, didn't, it, didn't it affect St. Patrick's Day parades as well but it's certainly we kept foot and mouth uh, practically out of this country because everybody rallied together and everybody and I know we're talking about something very different with coronavirus than what we were talking about with foot and mouth but when we needed to band together as a country uh, we certainly did. The expert uh, group of the Department of Health and they're overseeing the uh, virus uh, threat at the moment and as I mentioned earlier they're having a discussion today and one of the things they're going to discuss is whether or not to cancel the Six Nations rugby match which is against Italy 
on the 7th of March. I don't know if they're that concerned about the actual rugby players themselves, but what they are concerned about is the amount of people that will travel and are already booked to travel from Italy to come over to this country to support their team. So I suppose there is a bit of a worry with what is going on at the moment in Italy and they have now had seven deaths uh, which obviously is increasing the risk of a case here in Ireland. All we can do is keep our fingers uh, crossed. Now Bernie's taking your calls at 1850 uh, John Paul is off for a few days. You can text our uh, WhatsApp to 086 uh, to 103 103. Mary Amalo says absolutely that Italian rugby match should be cancelled. Sports is not a matter of life or death but the coronavirus is. I don't know how many others are of the same view of, of Mary. We don't need an expert group to meet who are meeting today. Mary feels it just should be simply cancelled and that is it. We're going to be talking in a couple of minutes about the humble potato. Patent from Oasis, the humble spud in China. Rice is their stable diet. The government there is trying to get people to eat potatoes as rice takes three times more water to grow than spuds and they're trying to spare the water. I did not realise that so there you go and that's a cultural thing certainly in China. They eat way more rice. Uh, I didn't realise that it takes three times more water to go and of course because rice grows in paddy fields doesn't it it grows in, in water but I didn't realise it takes three times more than it takes to grow uh, potatoes so I don't know how they're getting on in China in encouraging people to eat potatoes over rice OK formation of a government we t- we've been touching on that every single day since we had the uh, election the week before last where are we at today no closer it seems to forming a government the Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou MacDonald has labelled exploratory coalition talks between Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil. They're due to happen to start today, aren't they? She's labelled that a scam, she said, which could lead to the same rotten politics of the last four years. Now, it seems about 800 people from right across Munster packed out the conference room in the Rochestown Park Hotel in Cork last night. It's the first of Sinn Féin's planned public meetings and they're doing this to build support in a bid to form the next government. Mary Lou said talks between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael were summed up by the fact that the first item on their agenda she claims is deciding which of them is going to be Taoiseach. They seem to have missed entirely the fact that a lot of people in Ireland think neither of them should be Taoiseach. The Sinn Féin leader also went on to tell reporters at that meeting last night that the Gardaí have been notified of threats made against her. Mary Lou says she has received threats similar to those made against other members of her party but then she declined to provide any uh, further detail on the matter but she says she has uh, notified the uh, Gardaí. Now the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar hit out at Sinn Féin's plans to hold these meetings that, that the first one was in Cork but they're going to be all over the country for the next two weeks. He's described them as a campaign of intimidation and bullying. Leo Radker said Sinn Féin are more interested in rallies than seeking to form a government. He said they want to be shut out Hence, no serious efforts, he reckons, have been used to form a government of the left. And obviously Sinn Féin have dismissed the criticisms from both the leaders of Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil regarding the public meetings. And they say that Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, it's just hysterics as to why they're against holding these meetings. And, and I have to say to Mary Lou, it's not the, she's not the only one holding these meetings because 
the Green Party leader Eamon Ryan says his party is holding several meetings with its members around the country in the weeks ahead and it's very similar to the events that the Sinn Féin party has uh, organised. Eamon Ryan says, rather than criticising one another, political parties need to look to what they have in common. And I have to say, every time I hear things come from Eamon Ryan, he always seems to be making so much sense. He really does. I mean, you feel like saying to all of the political parties, the, the bigger parties, the three big ones, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin, all just seem to be sniping at each other. You know, Mary Lou saying it's the same rotten politics, you know, describing what Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are doing. It, it's hysterics. And then you've got Leo saying that this holding these meetings it's a campaign of intimidation and bullying you know and they're just sniping at each other and then in the middle of it all the very calmness of the Green Party is saying stop criticising each other just look to what you have in common which I have to say Eamon Ryan you're making a lot of sense at the moment man you really are 1850 Bernie taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 103 Now, Irish farmers are warning that the potato industry is under threat due to surplus imports and rising costs. With that in mind, Born Bia and the Irish Farmers Association are set to launch a 1.95 million euro campaign to reinvigorate the image of the humble spot. Joining me, Lorcan Burke, who is the fresh produce and potato manager with uh, uh, Board Bia. Good morning to you, Lorcan. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, I'm very well. Is this a generational issue in that older people still eat potatoes probably every day of the week, but it is the younger generation who are turning their backs on them? Uh, it, it is a generational uh, phenomenon that the, oh, certainly the older generations are eating more uh, potatoes than the younger generations, but uh, that's not to say uh, that uh, they are rejecting them. It's on the contrary. We find that the, we were highly surprised in the research we did last year at the, um, the, the, the declared love of potatoes, their taste in particular, their value for money uh, that the millennials came out with. I think what's changed is that this uh, millennial generation are a very different generation. And maybe just to describe who they are, it's easy to say millennials, but they're a wide group of people. They, they're the 18 to 34-year-olds, male or female. So that spans a very wide range from single, cohabiting, married. Uh, they could be young family with kids. Uh, and then if you even think of it, they're the sort of 20-somethings. They're, they can be at the most active period of their life in sports and clubs and uh, whatever they're playing, uh, or they could be quite in, inactive in that they've given it up and they're in offices or otherwise. So there's there's there, there's a broad church there. Now we all know they love their spuds, but we also we in this research we did last year we found that they're shifting away to other carbs uh, because tastes are changing. There's so much other uh, other choices out there. I, I guess uh, my generation, which be older than that, uh, we were brought up on potatoes dominated the market. Now, if you look at, you go to any supermarket and you can have uh, a choice of carbohydrate, main meal carbohydrate from the obvious ones being pasta, rice, couscous, quinoa, bread, you, you, you know, you can roll them yeah. off there. And so uh, the, the, the thing is, we have to, we, we, we have to un- uncover ways for the, this new generation to be attracted 
back towards potatoes. And the one thing we know they're, they really like is excitement. They like uh, flavors. They like spices. They like herbs. Uh, that, sort, that sort of thing. So if you put the taste together with uh, developing recipes of convenience, we know also they only want to cook for 25 minutes or less. <laughs> uh, they don't have a lot of time, is it? Well, it's, it's they are busy. They would yeah. consider themselves as busy. Uh, but they would also, they just see that there's other choices there that you can do quite readily. The, the crux of the issue here is that potatoes by this generation of millennials are seen as a very traditional product. Yeah. You know, the, the meat, the two veg, uh, uh, and, and the vegetables, which is actually very good for Irish farming. But uh, I guess that they want to look at uh, new ways of cooking them. And they, there, there's a sort of an image thing there, too, that they just see them as very, very Irish. And they've sort of have seen themselves as, I guess, citizens of the world, be it the cyber world or the, or the traveled world, if you know what I mean. So, and yes, uh, they are such, potatoes are so versatile. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, this is what we're trying to get across from that, uh, while they might immediately think that they're very Irish food, potatoes are actually grown in every country in the world, literally. When I have focus groups in here in Bordbia, and I tell them that actually the number one producer of potatoes in the world is China, the second one is India, and I can name any country in the world, uh, they have uh, such a huge volume. Now, just think about that, because... Uh, you know, we love our Chinese, we love our Indians and stuff like that. But so the Chinese and the Indians are eating potatoes in their meals with their vegetables. So I think the tendency in Ireland is when we have a, an Indian or a Chinese or an ethnic food, potatoes stay in the bottom drawer. Yeah, we and just don't associate it with exactly, the recipe. Yeah. Exactly. So I guess that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to get, get potatoes uh, in, re- in a really authentic sense to get the uh, those recipes to a millennial generation who are interested in the stir-fries, who are interested in, in, in wok cooking and who are interested in curries and, 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 and use potatoes in that sense. Uh, the other thing I guess we found from the research, which I guess this campaign is going to address with the millennials, is there's a couple of very large information gaps out there. And we, uh, there's certain certainly um, around the whole uh, area of natural, it being a natural food from the ground, uh, uh, it being a very sustainable food. I mean, it takes a hundred times less water to grow potatoes than rice, uh, for instance. If you think of the paddy fields are grown in all that water uh, out in China and whatever, it takes a hundred times less water to grow potatoes. So there's significant sustainability, uh, sustainable benefits there. There's also the whole local angle of local and sporting community. These are all things we know millennials, well, they tell us they value, yeah. but maybe don't, don't really associate with potatoes. So, you know, there's loads of potato producers down in Cork, or Wexford, Meath, Loud, Donegal, uh, and, um, you know, I, I guess that their choice of carbohydrate, it mightn't strike them that they're supporting local by supporting uh, potatoes and, and, and important communities, 
right around the four provinces, you know. Uh, uh, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned China because, Pat, and from why one of our listeners uh, contacted us to say that he, re- he read a piece that the government in China were actually, because rice obviously is the stable diet in China, that the government was, was trying to encourage people to eat more potatoes because of that very uh, fact that you, even though he had his figures wrong, he thought it took three times uh, more water to grow potatoes, uh, to, to grow rice than potatoes, but you're actually saying it's a hundred times more. But there's actually a campaign in China by the government yeah. to get them to, to, to eat more potatoes. Is there a perception, though, Lorcan, amongst the millennials and even older generation that potatoes are fattening? Well, yes. Uh, now, we ran a previous campaign. Uh, so this is actually our second follow-on campaign with millennials. And I guess this campaign is about future-proofing ne- uh, the next generation of consumers. But the previous campaign we ran was with uh, 18 to 44-year-old female uh, pe- um, shoppers. And they found that uh, we found about a third of that generation of, 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 of associated potatoes has been fattening, whereas, in fact, potatoes have no fat in them at all. And it's purely down to the preparation method that you use. So if you put them with yellow fat, well, I mean, traditionally, you know, we eat potatoes in Ireland with butter, fat, mayonnaise. Look, they're all my favourite ways of eating them, you know. <laughs> but, 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 I mean, it, it, but the choice is yours. If you, if, you know, it, the choice is... If, it, uh, we've got a... In the last campaign, we developed a recipe website called potato.ie, and we put up 142 recipes, which largely uh, use potatoes in association with herbs, spices, domestic foods, and vegetables, and fruits, and uh, all the, you know, using potatoes as, essentially as a low-fat food ingredient. And actually, we've never used them like that in, in Ireland. If you think about potatoes and how we use them, it's been boil and bake and ro- roast and remashing. But that's probably down to our lovely, flurry potatoes, and they go so well with our lovely dairy industry. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's a tasting that's evolved in Ireland because of our butter culture and our milk culture, which is all, as I say, it's delicious. But the choice is yours. If, if, if uh, there's no fat in the potato, it's how you actually uh, cook them up. And actually, that was the other big thing that came, came through the millennial research was we really had to get out... Uh, convenient type recipes because the cooking skills of this next generation wouldn't be as uh, as advanced, I'd say, as the previous generation. And uh, so uh, we're, we're looking to put out uh, with the new campaign 300 recipes, 300 new recipes, and they'll be convenient, tasty and healthy. And just on that last thing, uh, uh, in terms of healthy, that was the other grey area in the mind of millennials. There was a, a, they, they couldn't actually pinpoint was potatoes good or bad for you? And really, um, we, we worked with uh, Aoife Hearn, uh, the dietitian uh, from the TV. She's the on program. the Operation Transformation. Yeah. And she, and, and yeah. She, she has been our ambassador for the last few years. Yeah. And uh, so she, uh, and we purposely put her uh, to front uh, our, um, as an ambassadorial role to advocate potatoes because of their nutritional benefits. Uh, they, they're high in dietary fibre, they're a natural food, uh, they contain significant uh, vitamin C, uh, as I said, dietary fibre, potassium, and uh, they really encourage the gut microflora, which seems to be the latest big thing in digestion, uh, the, 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 the microflora and gut. And I know there's work going on up in um, Moor Park in, in Cork on that. And so uh, 
Yeah, so this is the situation because of the roughage that's in them, the fibre that's in them. I can see a text in saying, well, John, it's great to hear you talking about the humble spot on the programme today, but what you need to do is we need to remind consumers that to make sure that they buy Irish potatoes, there are so many imports on the market. Well, you know... uh, that's correct. There are there are certain categories uh, out there, and we'd encourage Irish consumers to look. Uh, obviously, from Bordbia, we'd be look asking them to look for the Bordbia quality mark and looking for uh, the origin of their food. Uh, that, that's a, a prudent thing to always do in terms of supporting uh, your local uh, farming uh, farmer. Um, just the campaign, just to let you know, it's not just in Ireland that's going through this. Uh, this awareness uh, building, uh, this campaign is a shared campaign with France and Belgium. It's supported by the EU. Uh, the money from it's actually coming from uh, the IFA and the Irish Potato Federation. And Bordbia are actually uh, pulling it all together uh, and using the, the the funding from the EU to put it out there, to, to put together this campaign, which is largely a social media campaign uh, on uh, Instagram and uh, Pinterest and uh, Facebook. Uh, we're going to try to get these 300 recipes out there. Plus, um, it, the, the campaign's called Potatoes Prepared to be Surprised. So we're going to be putting out these surprising facts about potatoes around their naturalness, their sustainability, their nutrition. And we're going to work with social media influencers and create key events okay. to just surprise uh, the millennials out there. It's all about just putting a re- repackaging for a different generation and giving them the taste, the flavours and the excitement that they want and, 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 and permission to, to go to, to do it and the knowledge and the information to take it forward and, and get, potatoes. Get them cooking more and make sure when they're doing it they're using potatoes. Laura, can we leave it there? Thank you for that. And uh, thanks no for joining us Thank on the programme. Good morning Thanks to you. Bye bye. There's a man passionate about his spuds, Lorcan Burke, fresh produce and potato manager with Board Bia. Uh, hi, Patricia says Kristen from Moy. We do eat potatoes with in- when you get an Indian or a Chinese takeaway. So don't we always have chips and curry? <laughs> says uh, Chris. And Mary says, Morning, Patricia. Snow, snow, snow in Lockley in Buttevant at the moment. A breaking news story from Corkbio.ie, a popular hotel in Tenerife is on lockdown after an Italian tourist tested positive for the coronavirus. Hundreds of guests and staff are undergoing health uh, tests now and the hotel has been completely locked down. The Italian tourist is a doctor and he's from the region that is believed to be at the centre of the coronavirus in northern uh, Italy and he's been taken away and is quarantined. So we'll have more on that story but that's in the uh, popular uh, resort uh, in a popular resort in Tenerife. 1850-333-103 That meeting that I mentioned where the decision will be made as to whether the Italian Ireland rugby team that is due to get underway I think it's starting around now this is the National Public Health Emergency Team. Oh sorry no um, I'm, I'm incorrect on that they're not meeting until this afternoon so we're not going to have word on that until this afternoon um, at the latest position on COVID-19 and also how Ireland's preparation is going for it but one of the big things to be discussed is whether or not the Six Nations match will go ahead or, or not.
We're listening out for a Billy Joel song on the radio today and on this programme today, sometime between now and one o'clock, I will play a Billy Joel. I can tell you the song I'm going to play just the way you are. So you're listening out for just the way you are. When you hear that song, you need to get texting or WhatsApping 0862 103 103 and make sure that you have that phone with you because about 10, 15 minutes after you send in your text, you could be getting a call from me. If you get a call from me, I'll invite you on air. You'll answer a very quick, straightforward question. If you get it correct, you will become the qualifier on the programme today and go forward to our grand final. And that gets you closer to an amazing trip to see Billy Joel in the Big Apple on Madison Square Garden on the 2nd of May. Billy Joel in the Big Apple with AmigaLoans.ie on Cork's Greatest Hits C0103. So just the way you are from Billy Joel is the song you were listening out for. Now, I'll get to your calls and comments coming into the programme. But firstly, I want to bring you an email that we received to the programme today from a parent of children attending a primary school in Kilworth. And this listener raises some interesting points and I just would be interested in what side you come down on, whether you're on the side of the parents or whether you see it from the school's point of view. But the listener writes, I don't find this funny. All the talk about the snowflake generation and how children today are pampered and spoiled and never want for anything. Well, this is certainly been taught in our local school and I feel it's been taught as part of the curriculum. The message being, it's cold, so please stay at home. Children don't feel the cold like adults do, hence. They jump into the sea, they jump into swimming pools, while we stand back and gasp at the thought of the cold feeling. So it beggars belief why our children's education should suffer a two-day loss because the adults are cold. God knows. We all know the stories and the experience of school days past when there was no such thing as central heating. Teachers are facilitating the snowflake generation. Now, it's mild out there today. This was sent yesterday. Yeah, this was sent yesterday. It's mild out there today, but yet most parents were guilted into collecting children early from school and no work was done. Uh, The two days, that's two days now that our children will have to rush to squeeze into their already jam-packed curriculum, which which sees primary school children already showing signs of stress and anxiety because of not enough time and school days and too many holidays and more added to the curriculum. It's exhausting for them. Please do not read out my name, but I now need to take a sick day to stay at home tomorrow which is today to mind my children as I've no holidays left and it's what it's all to do with is the school the primary school sent out text messages to all of the parents at some stage oh early yesterday actually I can see the time on it so the children had obviously just been dropped to school and at about 20 past nine yesterday morning parents started receiving text messages from the school saying we have no heating in the school due to a boiler problem children may be collected as early as possible now staff they did say will remain in the school to facilitate children who cannot be collected will update you on the situation later in the day and then it said school will operate as normal just be aware that the school will be cold if you weren't able to go and collect your children yesterday and you were leaving them in the the, the school is going to be a little bit chilly and then it was last night a further follow-up text was sent out. Unfortunately, the plumber has been unable to fix the heating problem tonight. The school will be closed tomorrow. So there was no school today. So our listener, our listener finds herself in a pickle 
uh, in that no one to mind the children, forced to take a day off school and doesn't have any holidays left. So I don't know how to lie and say that they were sick uh, phoning in from work. But the core of the, outside of the fact that this parent has been discommoded, the main thrust of the email was the snowflake generation. Should the children, they're not going to you know, be adversely affected by sitting in a classroom that's cold for one or in this case it would be two days. Could they put an extra jumper on? Could they have their coats on while they were in, in school? How cold could the school be? Are, are the school absolutely right that no child should be expected to spend a full day inside in a classroom when the heating isn't working. Yesterday may have been mild but we do have a chillier day today. So are you on the side of the school? There's a school were absolutely right to send out that text message, get the children collected, send the children home and then close the school for today and hopefully, fingers crossed, that the plumber will be able to sort out the situation because if they can't sort it out, will those parents be getting a text message tonight to say that there's no school tomorrow either? I don't know what the what the problem with the boiler is. But who's, whose side are you seeing this from? Are you seeing it from the school's side? They're absolutely right. If there isn't a adequate heating inside in a classroom then you don't want your children inside in that classroom they're better off at home or are you on the side of the parent that it is wrong to be pulling children out of school just because the classroom is cold the point being that for I take it the older children in primary school the fifth and the sixth class uh, students there's a lot to get through in the curriculum they've now missed two days in school now I don't know how the school what happens? I know there's, there's discretionary days that the schools have. Would, this, would the Department of Education say to that school, well, you're going to have to make up those days in that maybe at the end of the school year, you know, coming up to the summertime, you're going to have to give back those two days so school won't close for an extra two days. I don't know how the Department of Education handles situations like that when this, the, the principal and the Board of Management will say, outside of our control, heating went we didn't want to have the children or the teachers inside in a classroom when the classroom was cold so we sent them all home and then they remained at home for and we now know two days but it, it could even be longer it depends on when the plumber gets it sorted out anyway I'm interested in your thoughts in that because this particular parent certainly as the opening email says I don't find this funny and someone not a bit happy about the fact that they felt guilted into going and collecting the children yesterday and then been forced to take a day off from work today to look after the children. Your thoughts welcome to 1850 Bernie is taking your calls on that or if you want to text or WhatsApp 86 Some of your thoughts coming in on the Sinn Féin meeting that was held last night. That This is the first of these their rallies I suppose public meetings. I don't know how are Sinn Féin actually calling them rallies. But anyway, there was about 800 people turned up at the Rochester Park Hotel in uh, Cork for the first of the Sinn Féin's Sinn Féin party's planned public meetings and they're going around the country. They've decided to do this to talk to the people and I suppose to share with the people their thoughts and their views and what they will do if they can form, get get, get into government and form the next government and just putting forward their views. Dennis, um, a farmer from Charleville, actually travelled to the meeting in Cork last night. He said it was a very constructive meeting. Uh, he said what really he noticed was many young people attended it. He said Sinn Féin are the only party 
willing to call a public meeting to get the views and the needs of the electorate. So he found it very, very constructive. Well, we have heard that the Green Party are doing similar. Now, I don't know if the Green Party are holding meetings just for Green Party supporters, you know, that you'd have to be a paid up card carrying member of the Greens or whether they're opening it as public meetings because certainly the Sinn Féin one last night in the Rochester Park Hotel was a public meeting and all of the I don't know how many of these meetings are being held I know they're running for about two weeks being addressed by Mary Lou and I'm assuming TDs from the area speak at it as well and I don't I, I don't think they're just for Sinn Féin members they're open to anyone who wants to, to go along but as I say I don't know if the Green Party ones are open to everyone or not but Dennis found it very constructive thought it was a terrific idea and um, I'm assuming from that he feels other parties should maybe do something similar that they should have more meetings like this and get the views uh, from the uh, people a listener says Leo is living in a bubble why shouldn't Sinn Féin meet the people didn't all political parties meet at church gates to get their message across Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil were too scared to meet the people in rural Ireland. Even their foot soldiers during the campaign didn't show up, calling to the doors looking for support. Leo now seems to be shouting like a spoiled child. People want change. They don't want more of the same. 1850-333-103 on the rugby match and should the rugby match go ahead What's coming in on that? Anne says absolutely that rugby match should be cancelled if for no other reason it should be cancelled for health and safety reasons. While Henry says Patricia of course the rugby match has to be cancelled without any doubt. The safety and health of our citizens has to be top priority and by the way I'm a huge supporter of the sport of rugby. Also another cause for concern will be people planning summer holidays abroad. They may not have the the virus in the country you're planning on going to but that's not to say that the person who's sitting in front of you beside you behind you is not carrying the virus says Henry it's the one big worry isn't it with the coronavirus is the fact that it can be two weeks before symptoms actually uh, show and there is a lot of talk at the moment about travel and about holidays and should people reconsider where they pick to go on holidays and this is the time of the year when people are choosing summer holidays so it's kind of a tricky one for people. Do you just go ahead and book and hope that the country you've decided to go to is not going to have coronavirus? But as Henry say, Henry says, even in the travel, you've got to be very worried about you don't know who you're travelling with, who, who you're travelling with or beside. And aeroplanes, goodness me, are they not hot beds for fueling any kind of infection? I mean, how many people, all of us included, at some stages, have got off an airplane and a day or two later you end up feeling really unwell and you realise you probably picked up some kind of a virus while on board a plane. I was actually reading on the paper today that there's a couple of um, tips that when you are going on a plane, they say, for example, and I wouldn't have thought about this, choose a window seat if you're nervous about picking up any now that's not just for coronavirus I suppose this could be any kind of infection and the reason for window seats it seems and this came from a study in the Journal of Clinical Infectious Diseases an article in the National Geographic it warns that those in aisle seats have a greater likelihood of coming into infection with viruses due to the proximity of other passengers a window seat passenger has fewer close encounters than people in any of the other seats averaging just 12 contacts compared to 58 or 64 respectively for contacts who are in the middle and the aisle seats. So if you want to be safe 
bury yourself into, next to the window and don't move. And then one that I know a friend of mine who swears and does this every time she gets on a plane. She'll always bring some of the little wipes, you know, the wipes that you can get, the antiseptic wipes. Clean the table tray and avoid the seat pockets on an aeroplane. Passengers are warned that the infectious zones on air, aircrafts include the table tray in front of you, the air vents, the seatbelt buckles and the seat back pockets. With the fast t- turnaround of aircrafts nowadays, airlines have little time to clean every surface. So the advice is, is as my friend does, use disinfectant wipes and of course always make sure you've got hand sanitizer uh, with you. But you need to get on the plane and clean down, actually clean down the um table in front of you and I don't know if many others as I say I do have a friend she's been doing it for absolutely years way before the coronavirus ever uh, came out but anyway it's only time will tell what's going to happen with travel and whether holidays are going to be affected whether people will have booked a holiday and then we'll discover closer to the time that that particular country you know the advice might come out that we're not to travel to that particular country because that's one of the things with the meeting that's going on uh, today uh, in Dublin where they're you know deciding what's going to happen with the rugby match but also travel advice you know we'll be waiting to hear should we be not travelling to particular countries but I mean the worrying one now because so many Irish people go to uh, Tenerife is that story that's just breaking from Tenerife. I can tell you the name of the hotel in case you're a regular visit to the to the to Tenerife. It's the H ten Costa Adi Palace. Hundreds of people have been now confined to their rooms this morning at this Tenerife hotel after this Italian tourist. He's a doctor, was hospitalised with a suspected case of the coronavirus. Health Authority spokesperson said hundreds of hotel clients are being monitored for health reasons. Um, one, um, this guest has been quarantined. He is an Italian tourist. He came to Tenerife on holidays after a couple of days, felt unwell, went to a local hospital. They've put him into uh, isolation. He was the third case identified in Spain after a German tourist um, also tested uh, positive. And there was a British man in Mallorca tested positive. And they're checking people who had contact with this patient, with this tourist but it, he is a, is a doctor and, and obviously they're going to be checked uh, as well and of course uh, tens of thousands are expected this week to the Canary Islands for the Carnival Festival in the run up to Lent there's all the Carnival it's it's a busy busy time in the Canaries so we'll keep an eye and we'll actually monitor that particular story actually a number of uh, people when I when remember I, I mentioned Tim one of our listeners who kind of took offence to me saying it was Pancake Tuesday and took me to task and said that it's actually Shrove uh, Tuesday and uh, kind of was putting me back in my box saying call it what it should be and then I called him out and said I don't see anything wrong with calling it Pancake Tuesday and I absolutely acknowledge for a number of people they call it Shrove Tuesday as well but there's nothing wrong with calling it there's, there's no right or wrong in this uh, situation but somebody said uh, someone, a, a number of people actually ha- are agreeing with me and saying yeah that the people do call it Pan- Pancake Tuesday and there's nothing wrong with calling it uh, Pancake Tuesday and just one of the texts says Patricia today is Pancake Tuesday and it will always be Pancake Tuesday uh, for me you were right to challenge that texture this listener feels it was uh, anti Tim saying we should only call it uh, Shrove Tuesday and this listener said I personally took offence to his tone. So it's amazing how people pick up on uh, pick up on something else and, and took offence uh, to it whereas 
to Tim certainly seemed to by his the way he put the text together took offence to me Dare saying that today is Pancake Tuesday and not Shrove Tuesday. Column in Bottevant. Thank you, by the way, for for your text to 0862103103. Column in Bottevant, this is on potatoes. The problem with potatoes is going on for years. The trouble, column feels, hotels don't serve jacket potatoes anymore. It's only mash. Some of them are getting mash in already made the imported potatoes also are very watery. Well, it was one of the points and I did raise that when I spoke with uh, Lorcan from uh, on board BA because somebody, I don't know whether they were, they were from a farming organisation, said, look, when you're talking about potatoes, you know, make sure you encourage people to buy Irish. There are nothing, there's nothing like can compare with uh, Irish potatoes for sure. But you do have to check, you know, there was once upon a time you went into your greengrocer or you went into your supermarket and all you would have on the shelves are potatoes. I mean, the very thought that we need to import potatoes into, into this country absolutely horrifies me. We grow the best potatoes in the world. But you're right, Column. some of the imports can be very watery and they're just not nice. They're just not as nice as Irish potatoes. But I have never heard, but you know, I, I, I take it to your, you, you've knew, you know for sure that it's happened to think that hotels are getting in already ready-made mashed. Something seems absolutely wrong with that uh, for sure. Uh, Joan in from Moy says, whenever she's flying, this is tips, uh, tips on how to make sure that the area is clean she always has tea tree oil on a tissue and she keeps sniffing the tea tree oil since she started doing that she has never once picked up an illness from flying so she's glad to pass on that piece of advice and of course tea tree oil if you could have the little bottle of oil with you and wipe down the surfaces with tea tree oil that's a fantastic natural antiseptic as well and can we help out Patricia please in Drumdowney outside of Mallow she has an old Krupp's food processor but unfortunately the bowl has broken and she can't get a spare part. They're obviously not making the old style Krupp's food processors anymore and the bowl fits in place and of course it's not going to work unless she has the bowl. She wants to know, does anybody out there have an old Krupp's food processor that they don't use anymore, that the bowl is still intact that uh, she could get from you? The model number is KO. 34571. Now you may have to dig deep in the back of your cupboard to say, God, yeah, that old Krupp's food processor that I never used. Would you be willing to pass on the bowl to Patricia and Drum Downey? She reckons her food processor is between 30 and 40 years old. It served her well, but still working fine, except that the bowl is broken. So KO34571, if anybody has an old Krupp's food processor, can you help out one of our listeners, Patricia, in Drum Downey? And obviously we have her telephone number, if anybody can help her out. 1850-333-103. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Deer Park Motors in Charleville, they're looking for a service manager with the previous experience uh, willing uh, previous experience with workshop environment, please. A mechanic wanted for the Mallow area, while a part-time bookkeeper is required with a minimum of three months at Walsh Engineering Supplies in Mallow. An experienced chef and an experienced baker confectioner required part-time basis with immediate start and that's in Mallow. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go 
to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now a maritime expert from West Cork is urging a judge to consider the many Irish victims of the Titanic still entombed on board as a US salvage company seeks to enter the wreckage. Michael Kingston from Goline is an international maritime expert and he joins me on the line from London to outline his concerns. Good morning to you, Michael. Uh, good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, tell me about this salvage company and what you believe are their plans for the wreck of the Titanic. Um, well, they're seeking permission for the first time to enter the actual hull of the wreck. Um, the wreck rests in international waters and recently there was an international agreement ratified um, to try and get countries with with um, with who have an interest in the wreck to um, try and protect uh, protect it by controlling any companies that are um, thinking of and have been um, um, making trips to, to the Titanic. And one company in particular in the United States has retrieved many artifacts from the wreck debris site, but not from within the hull and. They applied a number of years ago for salvage rights under the U.S. um, jurisdiction to the um, federal court, and they um, achieved salvage rights um, over the wreck only insofar as the United States could grant them to that company within their jurisdiction because it's in international waters. And they made an application to um, penetrate the hull of the wreck to retrieve the Marconi wireless telegraph. And you're saying the hull has never been ent- in, entered since the Titanic sank? No, I mean, that's that's de facto the position that um, the they want to um, use equipment to pull steel off to get in to um, retrieve this telegraph. And um, there is um, concern as to what their motives are. Um, it's well known that they're, um, they're basically using the um, artefacts and want to use this telegraph to exhibit it and sensationalise and make money out of it. And we must never forget that the wreck is the graveside of so many souls, especially Irish people, whose lives were lost that night. Well, I mean, we, we in total, there were 1,500 people died and between the British and the Irish, and the figures aren't precise, because many of the Irish were, were um, we, obviously, we, we, we were compatriots at that time, technically. And a lot of those who were registered um, as British were actually Irish, traveling from the, from the United Kingdom itself. But altogether, there were 1,334 British in the, and Irish, and 987 were lost. And um, a lot of the um, bodies... Um, went down with the ship. The information that was um, given by the senior officer that survived was that a lot of the stokers and engineers, um, some of whom were were Irish crew, um, remained at their post until the last to try and um, deal with the situation until they were overwhelmed by the ingress of water. And also it, it was attested by many witnesses that a lot of the third-class passengers couldn't make it up to the decks where the lifeboats were because they were locked 
um, gates were locked, and that's where most of the Irish, Irish died in as third-class passengers. And this this tragedy, um, you know, is sits deep deep in the hearts of of I, I, the men of of Irish people down through the generations, because a lot of people um, were the hopes for their families and their parishes back at home in Ireland. So it wasn't just their tragic death, but it was a a death that affected um, where they came from and their families who had mortgaged everything to send them to the United States. Yeah. So to to to, to embark on um, entering the hull without carrying out a, a proper consultation um, is 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 sacrosanct. And, God, it's, and, it's, and like, then, it's like digging up somebody's grave to see if there's any gold or jewellery, you know, any anything of value there. Well, I mean, this is it. So, um, <clears throat> and coupled with that is that the, the motives are if if it was some sort of major um, piece of equipment that would help us in modern society, um, and there was some sort of um, overwhelming argument, then then at least there, there should be a consultation. It should be discussed. But the equipment is being. Um, retrieved for sensationalization and for 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 money um, for money making and the reason why I got involved is because in any event it's it's an important issue but behind the scenes I've worked with the United States government agencies on a number of issues and they noted that there wasn't any representation from Ireland of an Ireland's massive interests in the um, tragedy, and also the fact that the ship was built in Belfast and left from uh, from Cork, obviously, and um, asked me maybe behind the scenes to try and speak with with government officials to um, to act um, a few years ago in, to get Ireland to accede to this international agreement. That didn't happen, and then when the court case um, um, was tabled. They again asked me to um, to write in on behalf of Irish interests in the absence of formal representation from Ireland. And in your letter to the US judge last week, you cited um, Ireland's preservation order on the Lusitania. I, I, explain what you wrote. Yes, so, so what I said to the court was that I explained Ireland's interests and I asked them to um, to adjourn the hearing um, indefinitely until a proper consultation has taken place in, in relation to Ireland's interests as a nation, in other words, so that our agencies in Ireland, our, our government, Department of Foreign Affairs, um, and so on, um, um, intervene properly on behalf of, of, of Irish interests. But I also cited the fact that the uh, Ireland has a, a preservation order over the Lusitania um, which is sank southwest of Kinsale, as everyone knows, the biggest civilian tragedy in the First World War, and it it, it brought the United States into the First World War. It's one of the most significant um, um, incidents in the in United States history because it turned the United States from an, an isolationist country into one that intervenes in foreign policy, and that is because 128 United States citizens died on the Lusitania. Ireland has a preservation order on the Lusitania because we have um, respect for the fact that it's a grave mm. and the hull is not allowed to be penetrated. So I asked for reciprocal um, respect for the Irish 
who died in the Lusitania when I wrote to the to the judge, and I also um, um, explained that as a demonstration of our respect for the um, citizens who died in the United States, that in um, 2015, or the 100th anniversary of the Lusitania, I actually did a talk at the request of the United States Coast Guard at their headquarters in Washington, D.C., and it was dedicated to the victims, the United States victims of the Lusitania, and I also delivered a letter from the wonderful children of Kinsale yeah. um, in conjunction Kinsale Community School with Riverstick Faroga Club, who actually wrote a, a letter which I delivered that expressed their uh, deep sympathies to the United States. And they also um, delivered a calendar that they had put together and, and, and explained that they had an exhibition in that period. And they said that their overwhelming concern, this is the children speaking, was not the material issues or the mechanics of the ship of the Lusitania, um, which most people sensationalize about, but the actual deep human cost, and that they and and they expressed their deepest sympathies to the United States, and 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 the calendar was exhibited to the letter to the court, which is a wonderful calendar that demonstrates um, and is symptomatic of what they said in 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 the letter. And so, the children of Kinsale have effectively their great work back in 2015 with Riverstick Faroga Club has come back to uh, assist, to protect, hopefully, the Irish well done. memory well done. of the Irish and the idea is Titanic. We, we've shown so much respect to the Lusitania. We reciprocate it now, please, for, for our souls on, on the Titanic. I know the judge was due to um, review proceedings last week. Have you heard anything back? Yes, so the judge has, has so, uh, as a holding letter, to get them to... Um, Basically, the judge, Justice Beach Smith, um, looked at the, um, had a hearing on last Thursday and has told them to go away and think again. So um, no decision has been made and the, the hearing has, any further discussions have been indefinitely um adjourned. So it's worked, um, but now well we've got work to do well to done. send f- formal representatives former representation in but for the moment um the the titanic will remain as 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 a grave but okay. we obviously have to keep an eye on any further hearing and we need to make sure now that and i hope our um political representatives are listening um because it takes a lot of time to do these things that the people who should be doing them in dublin will now take it up and respect the memory of all the Irish and their families who died in the Titanic. Okay, we'll keep in contact with you on this one, uh, Michael, and well done to you. It was a uh, brilliantly worded letter, uh, I have to say. Uh, Thank you for that, and uh, we'll speak again. Thank you, Patricia. Take care. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, the wonderful Michael Kingston, a native of Goulene, who is an international maritime uh, expert. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. 1850 333 Just on the... Um, where did I see this come in on the oh this is just on the coronavirus just an email in uh, to Patricia at c103.ie saying hi Patricia I booked um, I was booked out at my guest house in Clonakilty for the West Cork rally which is of course on the Patrick's weekend so it's the weekend of the 14th of March I had all Italians coming over to stay with me for the rally I had to cancel all of their bookings last night I am simply too scared to let them come and stay so sad really because I love people coming to stay with me says Kate who just fear factors kicked in with what is happening in, initially with the coronavirus and has contacted them uh, to say sorry um, yeah, I'm, I won't be able to, uh, to host you at this particular time and then Pat says now I didn't see this I don't know if anybody else did Pat said watching Claire Byrne last night on the TV I was surprised to see a woman now this is how Pat described it she sat there bold as brass with her mouth opened back to her ears laughing and telling everyone she had just come back from China and we not knowing if she had the virus or not anybody else see that I don't know who who this woman is and Pat I can't even begin to read out what you would suggest it should have happened uh, to that poor woman Uh, 1850 333 103 Bernie's taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed
Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, the Bandon and surrounding areas Breast Cancer Support Group have come together to host the West Cork Community Awareness Evening. It's happening on Thursday in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon. Joining me with details of the event, one of the members of the support group, and that's uh, Marguerite Kelleher, who is from uh, Upton. Good morning to you, Marguerite. Good morning, Patricia. And you, How are you? I'm very well, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, while you are predominantly a breast cancer support group, Thursday night you are aiming this males and females and you're hoping it'll deal with all types of cancers. Is that it? That's correct. Basically what it is is that we have a event coming up on Thursday night. It's the West Cork Community Cancer Awareness Evening. And as a group, I suppose we um, would have found that awareness is really the key, um, or it's prevention is the key and awareness is the tool. So we have the event um, occurring on the um, 27th, which is Thursday night in the Munster Arms Hotel. Um, it's starting at 8 o'clock. And um, it's proven to be going to be a really um, informative night where we have guest speakers, um, such as Shannon Joyce, which is the big CME on Instagram, and Mandy Gabriel, um, also known as My Wonky Boob. Um, for men's health, I suppose we're um, we are very lucky to have Dr. Roll. Um, we it's men and women we're um, targeting that we want everyone basically to be more informed about their health. Um, and to be aware of it. Um, yeah, that's the real message, I think, mm-hmm. for, for people is to be, is for all of us to be aware of our bodies and to understand and know symptoms, isn't it? Well, that is it. It's a case of, I suppose, um, the um, situation now is that in 2030, one in two people are going to have cancer of one form or another in their lives. So the um, statistics are really high. And uh, as a group ourselves, I suppose we would see that this needs to be looked at and dealt with really and as soon as possible for every person so that um, they're more intuitive in their um, body and knowing their own body and listening to their body, I suppose, about, you know, instead of leaving things um, on the long finger and saying, you know, I'll be fine. So uh, this event is basically going to be really informative um, of and, and it's professional people will be giving um, information as well and the night we were very lucky to have um, people like um, Harrigan's uh, Pharmacy in the Haven um, which will be you know doing nice things um, on the side of tables for like massages and beauty advice Brilliant. Um, and then we have the pretty parlour as well that are coming in the Weir Medical Centre I suppose are really supportive to us as well as a group um, uh, you know the doctors it's something that um, Rosie Barry who is the person actually that formed the group in September 19 through her own I suppose situation where she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she had found it very hard to find somewhere locally to have support group um, so Just to talk with somebody else who's either wearing the same t-shirt as you or has worn that t-shirt in the past Absolutely and it's a situation where it's very, as for myself it's very difficult to um, put across how you're feeling, where um, I suppose you need to be or have walked that road to understand yeah, it. Yeah. So um, from the support group in general, it's a non-judgmental, um, self-safe environment, I suppose, where you can go and voice your concerns or worries or your fears in reference to your journey. 
and along with a cuppa as well. You know, we sit down and have a cup of coffee. <laughs> That's important. And I, I, and I always feel for a lot of cancer uh, patients, and particularly if they've got families, they try to put on this brave face and, you know, the, the, I'm the warrior and I'll, I'll fight this. But there are days where you're not the warrior and where you're not able to fight it. But you don't want to let that side down. So that's why I think support groups, you can go into a group like that and go, oh my God, I'm just having such a bad day today and share Absolutely. it with people who really understand you. Absolutely. Well, if this group is for anyone but who is just newly diagnosed or who's going through treatment or is out the other side, like we're very lucky to have women in the group that are 10 years plus out the other side of the cancer journey, the breast cancer journey. And they're the nuggets of information that we really um, appreciate because, you know, they give us the, I suppose, light at the end of the tunnel, as people would say, or the hope, you know, that there is um, a future there because you, you have the bad days where you do worry. I suppose when you go, you know, what's going to happen next and you, when you meet these people, um, it's great to have it. Now, the other thing with the group is that you, it's once a month we meet um, and it's at the Parish Hall in Bandon, but we also have a WhatsApp group in that we can talk to each other ah, great. outside that and it's really handy, you know, because um, we, we might have a problem or it might be new medication that we're on and we're just having advice between each other or surgery or treatment. Um, and also then we have the Facebook page um, which is Bandon and Surrounding Areas Breast Cancer Support Group. So I suppose as a group, um, you know, and as they say, it is a daunting experience like that I suppose no one wants to go through. Um, and to have a support like this is a huge tool, like for women in general. And, and I suppose it's one that I would have loved to have had at the time when I was diagnosed. So that is where the awareness evening has, we, we all talked about it as a group. And I, it, it was, the awareness evening was, was the idea came that we needed to do something something about it and be proactive. Um, and with that, we were supported by um, the medical, uh, as in the medical field, and we've got huge support from the um, the businesses and the medical centres, such as the Monster Arms as well here. It has been very good that the night is here and, um, you know, that we're, we're very lucky well to have them and we really appreciate it as well. Well done. And it's on, as you say, Thursday night. It's free of charge, open to men and it's to uh, women. And free you, of charge. Free of charge. And it kicks off at what time? It kicks see? off at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. Uh, we have a free raffle as well. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. You know, it, yes, there is um, hard um, talk, I suppose, that you have to talk about the serious stuff, but it's one as well people can meet up and I suppose if, you know you we, we're very lucky we've made friends through the group um, there are the people there that would get you gain something out of it well done well done you know that's and what we want send on my best wishes to Mandy Gabriel of the Wonky Boob we've had I Mandy really in support. studio she's a great woman she's a great great woman okay no, listen I really appreciate that um, uh, Margarita we'll talk again and listen best continue good luck to the Bandon Surrounding you. Areas Breast Cancer Support Group and good luck with your uh, evening on Thursday thanks, thanks for joining for us uh, bye bye no bye bye and just before news at 12, I played a Billy Joel song. I played Just The Way You Are. Many, many of you heard it. Sent in a text or a WhatsApp. We have randomly selected one and I'm told Michelle Kelly is in Carrigaline and she's on the line. Good afternoon to you, Michelle. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Are you working? Are you at home? What are I'm you up at to? work. I'm at work. Are you? Okay. Having a busy day? Busy, I'm making pancakes. Oh, are you? Oh, gorgeous. And busy day, so you'd like the 
to be thinking about going away on the Maybank holiday. Pretty nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, nice. And it's a nice time of the year to go to New York as well. Absolutely. Okay. And are you a Billy Joel fan? I certainly am. Are you good? So you knew just the way you are the minute I played it. Okay. Question for you, and we give you an A and a B answer. What color are New York taxis? Are they A black or B yellow? They'd be big yellow taxis. They would indeed be big yellow taxis. Congratulations uh, to you, uh, Michelle. That means you are the qualifier for today on this uh, programme and you go through to the final and a step closer to a weekend. It's the Maybank holiday weekend. Madison Square Gardens for the concert and uh, three nights. Who would you bring with you? I'd have to bring my husband. No, you'd have to. I think I would. No, you would indeed. What's the hobby's name? Jim. Jim, okay. Jim, if you're listening, get ready. You could be going to New York. <laughs> Listen, enjoy the rest <laughs> of the day. So Thanks a million. Thank Back you. to bye the bye. pancakes. Bye bye. That is uh, Michelle Kelly in Carrigaline, our uh, qualifier for today. So stay listening for more Billy Joel. Um, songs so whenever you hear a Billy Joel song it can happen at any time throughout the day on any of the programmes but as soon as you hear it you need to get texting or whatsapping 0862103103 and like Michelle you need to be close by the phone because you never know if you could get the if you could get the call join us on air quickly answer the what are very simple questions and then you become the qualifier because as I say yesterday we did have a bit of a problem uh, we had to get to we took three calls before we eventually got somebody who had sent in who had sent in their name and address to say that they had heard the song but unfortunately weren't available then to take the call okay some of your texts and calls and comments coming into the programme this morning thank you first of all to I think we've had three uh, confirmed Krupp's Bowls. Three people contacted us. This was Patricia who is in a bit of a pickle. She has an old Krupp's food processor. Now she said it's about 30 to 40 years old but by God they were made of strong stuff in those days. It's working perfectly except the bowl is broken and, and you know any of those food processors the bowl fits on it and of course it doesn't work then unless you've got the bowl in place and unfortunately they don't do the spare parts. They're not making that model anymore and she can't get a replacement so she asked us to call it out. Now we've had three people contact us. We're going to put them in contact. We're going to put the three listeners who are willing to pass on a Krupp's Bowl tour in contact with Patricia and hopefully one of the three uh, will work because it's different model numbers and all of that. So we've asked Patricia to update us and let us know. But thank you. People's kindness and gen- generosity is always great. Now we were talking about the Titanic in the last hour with Michael Kingston who is fighting the good fight. He's a, an incredible man uh, just to try to preserve what is basically it's a grave you know that's what the wreck of the Titanic is now the bodies that were never recovered and never will be recovered and I I hate the idea of anybody going down and digging up what you know is as I say technically a grave for many many Irish people Colm Embottlement says and Michael Kingston is saying that the Irish government needs to get involved and we need to fight on behalf of the Irish souls whose lives were lost that night Colm Embottlement takes a slightly different line on this though he says Ireland should not get involved in the Titanic debate. His reason being, he says we have a very bad record of looking after graves in this country. A lot of graveyards have been covered over and built on top of over the years. Nuns all over Ireland have been dug up and reinterred in public graveyards. And he says, what about the mother and baby homes and the mass graves there that we don't have a, a great record? Well, we mightn't have a great record, Colin, but two wrongs don't make a right. Just because we, we might, we, we have done wrong in the past when it comes to graves, it doesn't mean that we should just turn our back. Because, you know, as Michael pointed out, you know, the majority of those 
many of those souls, particularly the ones that were down in the steerage class, they were Irish, you know, and they might have on the log gone down as English, but they would have come from England, but they would have been Irish uh, as well. And I, I do think we have a right. I think the Irish government should get involved and have their say and say, you know, no, enough is enough. Uh, Tim says, I'm in favour of the I'm in favour of the telegraph equipment being salvaged and put on exhibition in Belfast. I am very opposed to private individuals making money, but I am very opposed to private individuals making money from either the Lusitania or the Titanic, especially in Cove, to where neither ship came in. For the delight of the other, Tim, I must draw attention to the trips to the US for Paddy's Day by so many of our eminent political leaders where our concerns may be uh, communicated. And he's, Tim has just, just spotted an add-on text. I should have made clear in that first text that the Titanic should be treated as a grave, but the telegraph machine, this is the Marconi equipment that was on it, and the fatigue of the operator had a central part of the, the tragedy. The equipment m- may have been installed in Southampton, but Belfast would close the circle. So maybe something could be got from getting up the equipment, from taking the equipment up and taking a look at it, I suppose, is Tim's point. Thank you for that, uh, Tim, to 0862103103. Let me go to an email into the programme from Margaret. Hi, Patricia. This is to Patricia at c103.ie and we encourage people to please feel free uh, to use our email service. Isn't, isn't it, this is Margaret commenting on the Sinn Féin party and Mary Lou Macdonald in town last night in Cork. First of these public meetings, rallies that she's organised for around the country. It's the Sinn Féin party going back out to the people to say you voted the same and talking to them and, you know, going through, I suppose, where they, where they go from here, what they hope to do from here and I suppose listening to the people as well. Margaret said, isn't it a novel idea that a political party voted in by the people would come back and say thank you to the people and how can we now help to bring your issues to Dáil Éireann? Where would you find it? Never happened before. Usually TDs head up to the Dáil, they go past the red cow and we never see him again. Well, not until the next election. Maybe this is another change that needs to happen more often. No more front benches in front of microphones telling us that this is what we have decided for you in your best interest and without consulting you. We have heard government after government blaming the last one and then they take four years to try and fix things. Amazingly, when, a gov- when an election is called, there's always a load of money available for a promotion of the next election. A slush fund made available on leaflets telling us once again what they would do for us if elected. Change and Margaret writes that in capital letters, change is a good thing. Leo and Michal are acting like spoilt boys who don't want to play with the new girl in the art. To be honest, they're doing a great PR job for the Sinn Féin party. A long time ago, Patricia, there was one man who called back to his constituents. He knocked on door after door to say thank you and to ask if there was anything he could do now that he was elected. He had scraps of paper and a biro and his office, I remember clearly, was his car. He followed up on every single request and if he couldn't get a result, then he found somebody who could. His name was Joe Sherlock, a man of integrity who never forgot who his voters were. Maybe the tide is turning and our vote really does matter for longer than it takes 
to lick a piece of paper at the to tick sorry a piece of paper at the polling station and that's from Margaret emailing Patricia at c103.ie I'm sure the Sherlock family will be thrilled to hear you speak so highly of their late dad uh, Joe Okay some of your texts and whatsapps into the programme let me update you on that because people have been busy this morning let me see some of the texts uh, coming in this is um, still getting a lot of commentary on coronavirus and uh, people certainly are worried uh, about that. Actually, somebody was on. I think I'll find. Uh, we'll get to it in a minute. But, but people are just are just worried. I think worried about when when it comes uh, to Ireland. And actually, there's somebody else was saying that her children are particularly nervous about watching TV. There was a WhatsApp in, and somebody said, "I literally have to switch off the TV. My children are terrified. Are other families aware of small children?" picking up on the coronavirus and are quite understanding the story and are terrified that almost this plague is going to come onto their doorsteps. I know Bernie was mentioning it this morning that one of her little granddaughters they, they've taken to when she's in the room if the TV is on Bernie's and switch it over quick because she's getting very nervous about it. So yeah, children do pick up on these stories you need to talk to, I suppose we need to talk to our children. We try to protect them as much as we can, but it's, yeah, they, it's what they pick up on. And also people are picking up um, the email I had in from a listener in North Cork who was talking about the snowflake generation and she was complaining because the school that her children attended, the boiler broke down and they got messages yesterday from the school to say, no heating in the school, come and collect your children. Now, obviously the school remained open if parents weren't in a position to collect their children. But then last night, follow-up text message sent out to all the parents to say, sorry, plumber tried couldn't get the boiler working, no school today. And the listener who contacted us, very annoyed because they ended up having to take a day off work, had to call in sick as all of her holidays uh, were gone and just very annoyed. But was tying it in saying it's the snowflake generation. What is wrong with a child being in a room that's cold, you know, and talking about what it was like in a different era? And do we really, do we just wrap up our children too much and, you know, what, could have, what would have happened to them if they had to stay in a cold classroom, you know, put on an extra layer of clothes kind of thing was the uh, theory. Well, some reaction on that. Sandy says, as far as I can remember, from risk and safety assessment regulations, and isn't there regulations for everything, there is a maximum length of time staff can be asked to stay in a premises at 16 degrees. I think, said Sandy, that it's one hour. After that, temperature must be set at 18 degrees. So teachers are probably only following the rules and regulations. Otherwise... They will be liable for whatever if there are any related issues arise, says uh, Sandy. Yeah, and you probably then would have other parents giving out saying, how could you have my child in a classroom with no heating? Mikey says, Patricia, that woman from North Cork complaining about her kids going home from school, would she want them staying there and getting cold and then possibly picking up a cold or a flu? Some people just can't be pleased. Did it upset her coffee with her friends or what? Says uh, Mikey. Ah, I don't know. I think she was, um, well, obviously she was a bit annoyed that she had to go and collect them. And certainly she was annoyed that she was being forced to take a day off work uh, today. But she was also tying it in with the children themselves are under a lot of pressure in school to try and get everything, a jam-packed curriculum and that the children are going to come under pressure because they're going to have to make up for these two days. And there's no talk of the school opening for an extra two days 
to make up for the two days lost, if you know what I mean. So she's saying it's going to put pressure on the children. But she's just saying that it's the snowflake generation. What is wrong with leaving uh, children inside in a classroom where it's, you know, it's, the heating isn't fully uh, working? And Paul says, well, what about this when you're talking about the heating in the school? In the library in Yall, the internet has been gone down there for the last few days. In this day and age, it seems crazy that they couldn't get the internet sorted out. And then some of your texts in on this. Just let me find. There's one saying, hi, Patricia, with regard to the that parents' comments on the boiler being out of action back in the day when Adam was a boy. We had a huge pot belly stove to get going when we went into school. Sometimes it was a success. Sometimes it wasn't. So when we got cold, the teacher got us all out beside our desks doing jumping jacks and star jumps and running on the spot until we warmed up. Then at playtime, sure, we all ran around outside playing and we were lovely and warm. We never worried about the cold when we were out on our break. No days off back then. Um, and I don't agree with there being time off now just because the heating isn't working. And that's from Mary, who put in brackets, who lived in the dinosaur era. And then Catherine says the school was absolutely correct to send the children home as it was a health concern if the heating wasn't working. Parents who have children have a responsibility to look after their children. Love the show. And that's from Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. And then another listener says my son went to secondary school yesterday and guess what? The heating wasn't working. They were told put your coat on and that's the way it should be. If there was half the heat in the homes today, we mightn't have half the viruses or half of the people running around with sickness. I said to my son, heading out to school this morning, make sure you take your coat in case the heating hasn't been uh, fixed. (laughs) Not a bother on our son uh, heading off. And uh, Colette uh, says, I collected my child normal time yesterday. You can't please everyone. And I'm very much on the side of the school. Colette has a child in the school. It was hardly a planned one day off and people can complain no matter what making you feel guilty to leave your child yesterday. My son had his coat and his hat on and was happy out there are much bigger issues to be worried about because Colette was in a position that she wasn't able to collect her when the text came out but left her son there and there wasn't an issue and in fairness to the school they did say in the because I saw the text messages they did say the school will operate as normal but just to be aware that it will be cold and that obviously the teachers were remaining in place because all of the parents wouldn't have been in a position to drop everything and run to the school 1850 Bernie's taking your, your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie Now Shambali Moore Bingo has been cancelled tonight That's due to a local bereavement And the Bantir Bingo is cancelled for tonight And that's due to the bad weather forecast Kilavallon Community Cafe starts It's on this morning at the Community Centre Anyone's invited along to catch up with old friends And make new friends friends. If you're over 55 and interested in meeting new friends, come along to an information morning at the Active Retirement Group in Ballyagran. That is on today if you want to go along. Everyone is welcome to a relaxing programme of music prepared by Mr Philip Brennan. It's a Balancholic uh, library. That's on today. Teas and coffees will be served. And Glenville Flower and Garden Club, they're meeting in Cades County in Glenville. That's tonight at 8. A talk by Malcolm Kitt of IFA. All are welcome. And music students of the Cork School of Music, along with Kinsale Voice Choirs, 
will take part in a concert in St Mary's and the All Saints Church in Glamour this Friday night at 8. Donations are accepted on the night and it's an aid of aware. And the Cork Cancer Care Centre are holding a fundraising craft and bake sale. It's for the Blankets of Hope. That's on Saturday from 12 noon to 3 at the Cork Cancer Care Centre. All are welcome. There'll be knitters there to explain how to get involved in making the blankets if you can help with baking on the day. They'd love to hear from you. Could you contact the office 021 4949090. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And Patricia with her Krupp's food processor that's working perfectly. It's just the bowl is broken and they don't make spare parts for it anymore. Let me call out the name again on it. It's uh, an old Krupp's food processor. KO3 4571 is the model. It's about 30 or 40 years old, so we're talking about an old one. Now, we had three ladies contact us straight away. They'd say they'd crops bowls. We passed on all the information to Patricia. Patricia contacted each and every one of the women, and unfortunately, none of them are working out. None of them are the right one that she needs because it has to fit uh, perfectly. But she said she was absolutely thrilled that so many people were willing to uh, help her out, and she wants to thank um, all of us here at C103. Well, we're listening, we're only too delighted. And if anybody else gets a chance to take a look, if you have an old crops, if you have an old Crops food processor at home or you know of somebody who might be listening to us at the moment who might have one just keep, take a look at and check and see that number KO34571 we haven't given up yet Patricia it'd be great if we were able to find the bowl which is probably no use to anybody else if they're food processor isn't working I will be only too glad to pass it on it would be great to get Patricia's back up and uh, running and we have all of Patricia's details if anybody can help us and actually a listener in North Cork is willing to help out somebody else because we've been contacted by a listener who has a, a humidifier for an asthma sufferer now the listener said it was quite expensive to buy but it is no longer of any use to the household where the humidifier is and they'd be willing to pass it on to anyone who has bad asthma who's been told a humidifier could help. Isn't that a really kind, kind gesture of no use to the person anymore and rather than just leave it sitting there willing to pass it on. So if there's anyone out there who suffers from bad asthma and has been told a humidifier would help and is not in a position to get one, we have a listener who's willing to pass it on. Give Bernie a call, 1850-333-103. Margaret in Domanway was on. Margaret won one of those Husqvarna ear protectors with the FM radio the headphones that we gave away last week she rang to say hers arrived and uh, she's thankful uh, well uh, glad to and hope you find you or someone in your household finds great use uh, for them Margaret uh, thank you for your call Anna in Mill Street says this is um, the children being sent home from school because the heating wasn't working she's all for teaching children life skills for example when a crisis happens children need to know how to deal with crises and she reckons because what our initial Mother said the snowflake generation were wrapping up our children so well, so much and protecting them so much that when a crisis will happen and listen, let's be honest, crises will happen. They won't sail through life without little hiccups along the way. She feels some of her children will simply not be able to cope. She said, OK, if the heating isn't working in the school, big deal. Tell the children to put on extra clothes. They all would have come to school with a coat on, put their coat on. And they said every hour, get them to get up, move around. What a previous sister spoke about when they went to school on the pot-bellied stove that didn't always work. They were up jumping, running on the spot to heat themselves up. She'd maybe provide them with hot drinks if it gets really, really uh, cold. Just get on with their schoolwork. Teachers should make sure that the children are able to cope when all of these things happen. And that's what's missing at the moment. But then remember, we had one of our listeners who knows all about health and 
and safety and all of that. And we're saying that there are very strict rules and regulations and guidelines as to how long that you're meant to be in a, you're in a room working if it's at 16 degrees. And then you're meant to move to a room where it's 18 degrees. And maybe, just maybe, this is what it's all back down to. Maybe it's all completely down to health and safety and the school has absolutely no choice at all on it. But thank you for your call to 1850-333-103. Noreen, this is on Sinn Féin and the meetings that they're holding around the country and Leo's hysteria about them, says Noreen. Remember when Vincent Brown visited all of the constituencies and broadcasted his show with uh, TDs? That was the, was that the 2016 uh, election? Wasn't it mostly Fine Gael TDs that did not attend? Ah, well, come on, that's because it was Vincent Brown. They were all terrified of the man. Uh, Leo, in that bubble in which he lives, is unable to realise the enormity of the situation that people are really, really serious about change this time round and that is from Noreen Massey in West Cork on coronavirus says Patricia can the coronavirus be spread is it airborne Airborne? and what are the outcomes if you do have the coronavirus do you have it for life or can you be cured or indeed pass away from it thank you well it can and does uh, kill it doesn't kill everybody it depends I mean obviously people older people younger people people at risk and you know um, uh, people who are unwell it's something like coronavirus I mean it's, it's a serious serious virus but not everybody dies from it but how is it c- contracted is it airborne it is airborne it's confirmed it was the Chinese were the first to confirm it as a human to human transmission and how do you feel I mean it's like having a really really bad uh, flu but you get a cough a fever and a breathing difficulty and in very severe cases it does lead to uh, organ failure it's a viral pneumonia so therefore antibiotics are absolutely of no use but the antiviral drugs that we have against flus unfortunately are not uh, working uh, either and recovery very much depends on the strength of your immune system many of those who uh, have died already are unfortunately in very poor health so do you have it for life no it's like a virus it will eventually pass. 1850-333-103. Bernie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Let's take a break and we're back talking to Joe Heffernan. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862-103-103. And Joe Heffernan uh, joining us um, on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. You didn't get any snow on Boerbui, did you? We did. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. It, it's, 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 it's nice and bright uh, here now and we were getting we heard of reports of snow in Charleville and in Butterfield as well it seems to be very much the North Cork area well we had kind of what you could call heavy snow but it was wet snow and it didn't so land it just fell and disappeared you yeah, know it's bitterly cold out there as well ok oh, so stay yeah. indoors listening to the radio ok we're continuing what we picked up on last week we were talking about the following the death of um, Caroline Flack uh, we were talking about suicide and and we said we would we'd continue to pick up on it uh, today and as we were saying last week nobody can predict or forecast uh, if a person is going to take their own life but that doesn't stop loved ones from having huge guilt around it sure, sure it doesn't it, of course, it can happen. Um, uh, you know, uh, should I have noticed our guilty things like, oh, my God, we had an argument 10 years ago, you know, um, stuff like that. But really and truly, um, talking in a very logical way, the only person responsible for taking one's own life is the person, him or herself. And, and I mean, you know... Uh, that is that's that's the one fact that we can uh, take um, 
uh, no one else is responsible. Now, having said that, there are some factors like which can put a person at risk. Um, you know, for example, um, social isolation and loneliness. We hear so much about it nowadays, especially, I think, um, more so maybe in rural Ireland rather than... And yet every time, funny enough, when we talk about rural isolation and people feeling isolated, we will inevitably get calls in from people living in the city and living in large towns to say you can be as isolated in a built-up area as you can in a rural area. And I think we need to take that very much on board. I suppose it's kind of like the visual aspect. When we think of a person in a farmhouse surrounded by fields, we kind of think, oh my God, that's very isolating. And it need not be. The person might be um, a member of several social groups. Um, And then when we think of the city... We think of one house beside the next and then another house and houses on both sides. And I suppose the impression we can get is, gosh, there's loads of people around there. But you're dead right that um, a person can be just as isolated. Um, uh, where did we ever hear that phrase before? Uh, lonely in a crowd? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so, um, so, and other factors then that could people um, at risk, you say intense loss and grief. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if a loved one has died um, uh, or if a relationship uh, that has lasted many years and uh, has uh, broken up, um, uh, well then, a, a person, uh, you know, that might be a factor that could put a person um, at risk. Um, you know, you hear of people and um, they're quite entitled and uh, in many cases are quite correct to do so, but they might have been um, married or in a partnership for 25, 30, 35 years and then the partnership or marriage breaks down and it can leave a person... Devastated. Um, Mm-hmm. Devastated. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, um, uh, that would be a factor that uh, that one would kind of um, uh, consider uh, could be um, uh, uh, a risk situation. Um, we've all heard of the ones where... Um, you know, financial or legal. Well, or dur- yeah, during the downturn in the yeah. economy, un- yeah. un- unfortunately, yeah. it was, you know... Quite a lot of yeah. that happened. And, of course, when we think back to the the very visual uh, images of um, the big crash in America, was it 1929? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there were... The big almost, Wall Street crash. Yeah, the Wall Street crash. Yeah. There were so many suicides. Mm-hmm. And we've heard of... Um, we've heard of, once again, like Caroline Flack, we've heard of the high-profile um, uh, cases uh, during our own fairly recent financial crash. Mm-hmm. crash. But... Just like lots of other things, there were many people who uh, it was never known and it maybe never will be known that um, they had uh, got into very, very serious financial uh, problems. Uh, very, you know, in fairness, um, in many cases, through no fault of their own, this um, woeful financial crash happened and uh, 
lots of people uh, lost what they had worked for, maybe for the greater part of their lives. And um, that was, uh, you know, uh, quoted in the high-profile cases, but might have been uh, a factor in in some other uh, cases as well. Um, You know, because that kind of um, situation... Uh, would result, of course, in what we could only call severe chronic stress. Um, you know, that would be living with a person uh, morning, noon and night, kind of. Um, yeah. Maybe a home that they had loved and worked hard for, uh, being at risk. Um, and we've heard of that um, so, so often. Yeah, and I remember actually doing the during the last downturn, uh, interviewing a business uh, man who uh, thankfully survived, but like lost everything and had to rebuild his businesses again. But he said during the height of it, there had been a high profile death by suicide in the town where he lived and worked. And he said the morning that that news broke, his bank manager rang him to say, are you OK? Because he'd heard, and he just thought, you know, the banks get such a negative, you know, we're getting bashed so much. He just thought it was very kind and caring of the bank manager who obviously was ringing around other businessmen that he knew who were under pressure, saying, you know, look, hang in there, everything will be okay. Do you know, are you okay? So I thought it was, I thought it was, it was decent, decent of that bank manager that day. Uh, You say victims of domestic abuse, uh, kind of an obvious one. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if one is living, in a situation where they are being abused, either at the extreme end uh, physically or emotionally, psychologically, um, that has to have a great, we'll call it, a sort of wearing down effect um, where um, hope uh, can diminish. uh, And yet, when a person uh, in in our country now... um, would seek help, help is there. But it can be very, very difficult for a person to reach out uh, when this is happening. And that can be a a male victim or a female victim. Um, uh, You know, to uh, these things are like mushrooms in a way. They, They grow and thrive in the dark. But when they're exposed out to the light, um, these uh, problems become um, uh, fixable um, to some degree. Where and and there are laws now, and um, and people take so much more notice now, um, where uh, a person can turn to uh, for. Uh, for help. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, which of course would follow a traumatic event. Um, It could be, um, you know, it could be something like um, a bad accident that leaves a person um, uh, basically uh, not in any way as physically able to do things as they were. But with post-traumatic stress disorder, as a result of that kind of uh, trauma, um, there can be, you know, the avoidance, intrusion and hypervigilance, which we would have talked about. Um, You know, uh, and a person could avoid going out and meeting people. Um, Could be having dreams, nightmares, um, visual flashbacks, mental flashbacks. Um, And could be extremely scared of noise or 
things that wouldn't have affected the person um, very dramatically before, which in a way now is a definition of post-traumatic stress disorder. And again, that's treatable, um, provided that a person will, uh, you know... Come forward for the help. Exactly, exactly. Low self-esteem? Low self-esteem that can in a way result from some of the above, um, like a victim of domestic of domestic abuse is not going to uh, have great um, self-esteem. Um, their 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 self-esteem would be being eroded. Um, uh, it could result from post-traumatic stress. Um, it could result from a business or um, academic failure. Um, uh, you know it. it, it but basically, what we're talking about there is that the person uh, doesn't think uh, highly of themselves and therefore would be lacking in self-care. And uh, if that was to go to its, um, you know, whether we'll say highest level or lowest level, um, well, then a person, you know, would be, I, I, I would imagine, uh, would be at risk. Mm. Now, difficulties dealing with life changes. Yeah. This can be a big one for a lot of people. Exactly. And again, it can be as a result of a combination or any one of the above. But I mean, you know, the one that would occur to me immediately would be um, just simply getting older. Um, You know, things that we could, I'll I'll talk about myself, things that I could do um, in the years gone by basically can't do them much anymore um you know days when everything hurts um every time i hear that song what is it everybody hurts i'd i'd be translating it into <laughs> everybody part hurts um you know body parts creaking that never creaked before never creaked before yeah, yeah. and they're all creaking these times but i mean if if um you know if that got a person down um, uh, uh, no, and we'll go to a more serious thing. Like, I mean, if a person lost the ability to hear or to see or to walk, well, I mean, now we're talking big time uh, dealing with a life change. And, uh, you know, a person might would find it um, extremely difficult to cope. Um, uh, so that, that, that would be a circumstance where loved ones would, um, you know, hopefully, um, in a way, gather round, um, make that phone call like that man did that you referred to a while ago. You know, how are you? How are things yeah, ra- going? Rally around and, and support. Yeah. I mean, you even talk about things like in, in somebody who gets intensely embarrassed or humiliated over something that happened, that, you yeah. know, you should be aware of people going through something like that in life, that they may just need that extra bit of support. Oh, that could be absolutely huge. I mean, um, you know, it could be somebody, um, we'll, we'll just take a, a, a simple example um, if if somebody um, ha- had a, a couple of drinks, it needn't be that they were uh, out on the lash, as it were, but got held up um, and was, um, uh, you know, um, fined, uh, put off the road for um, uh, driving under the influence. Well, you know, that would be highly, highly embarrassing. It, it would 
maybe appear in the in the press um and that that that, that could be extremely upsetting now uh, you could take it on up the 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 line then of seriousness where um you know somebody would uh, especially i'm thinking about like public kind of humiliation uh, the the very thing that happened with Carolyn Fleck. Yeah. Um, you know, she was accused um, of uh, domestic, domestic abuse. abuse yeah. And it um, was on all the papers and it was on all these um, uh, social media um, which have an awful lot to answer for. And she thought and she'd never, and she would have recovered, she would have recovered from it and she yeah. would have been, and it's only, uh, unfortunately, uh, how often does that happen? It's only in death that um, we get to see just how much uh, she was loved. Now, okay, we're going to wrap it up there. Next week, we're going to talk a lot of, uh, more about the myths around suicide because I think yeah. it's important to focus on that. Have a great week and, and we'll talk to you next Patricia Tuesday. God bless. Take care, Joe Heffernan. Yeah. Hey, it runs a counselling practice in Boherpui, 029 and Mike from Star Trek's in Knocknagree has been on once to say a big thank you to everybody who uh, helped and sold tickets for the Air Ambulance fundraiser which was held last weekend. Huge crowd, he said. Fantastic day of music and he let us know the final amount that was raised. They're still waiting on money and tickets to come back before they can give us a final account but they want to say thanks to everybody here at C103 for uh, our promotion of what is a worthy cause and we were only too glad to do that for you. Just to tell you coming out of Italy, seeing as there was a lot of focus on the coronavirus on the programme today. Italy's Civil Protection Agency have confirmed that the coronavirus has spread south to Tuscany and to the Isle of Sicily. It had been contained in northern Italy. It's now gone south. Tuscany has reported its first two cases, uh, including in Florence, while Sicily has reported one. That certainly is very, very worrying news for France, uh, for Italy, uh, their country in Europe, worse affected by the coronavirus. That's where I leave you for today. Back with you tomorrow at 10. Thanks to Bernie Murphy, producer Nick Richards, uh, with you uh, afternoons at 1. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.